Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is a very special guest. She is a New York City-based performer and bilingual voiceover artist who created the one-minute, one-woman show where she recreates movies and shows within 60 seconds. And she also hosts the Renal 911 podcast. It's Barry K. Aloha, everyone. <laughs> Thank one you. Of, one of these days, I'm going to add cheering or something underneath there. <laughs> well, I'm a voiceover artist, so I can just layer myself on top of myself, and Ooh. you can use me as the audio clip. Yes. Two for one, baby. <laughs> Two for one. Now, Barry, <laughs> you picked Moana. I'm so happy you picked that. <laughs> this is one of my favorite recent Disney films, I do have to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can get more into that later and I'm uh, but why did you pick this movie out of all, all the movies in the world out of all the movies um, when I found out back in I guess that would have been 2015 or so that Disney was making a Polynesian animated princess movie the little five-year-old girl in me was like yes the visibility you know, because I, I was born in 1984, so I was growing up in the golden age of, mm. you know, the, the Disney renaissance with, you know, Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and all this. And none of them looked like me. And I got relegated to either not being able to play princesses with the other girls because I didn't look like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and Belle. Or they told me to, like, I could only play Jasmine or I could only play Pocahontas, but I'm not either of those either. So for the first time, like, there was this... Polynesian visibility and Polynesian representation in in a Disney film and they put in effort like they did not they did not go the Aladdin route they did not go the Pocahontas route and like whitewash their own version of everything um right they... less so Pocahontas than than Aladdin but they put together this like Polynesian council to because they wanted to make Moana and Moana's world like a an amalgam of different Pacific cultures as opposed to like one specific one and so they they did the work. They put together the council. They talked to people. They got, you know, the okay and the green light from from a lot of different people who are are indigenous. And it meant a lot, like, to see the effort that they put into it and the design elements that they put into it. And, uh, like, from the instant the movie started, I just started weeping in the theater. Because, <laughs> like, imagine, imagine little brown girls all over the world finally getting to see themselves up on screen, so... Now, for reference, what is your background? Because when you say Polynesia, that's like... Pretty uh, wide, yeah. Pretty wide range, because that's... Sure. What, like, by the Pacific, South Pacific? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it encompasses a pretty wide area. It would include, like, Samoa, Fiji, Tokelau, as as one of the, the languages that's spoken in the film. My family is Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. Part of my family is Hawaiian. Nice. Um, yeah, so we grew up with a lot of that in the home. And it also encompasses some of New Zealand, I found out. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a lot of connection to Maori, um, including the legend of Maui. 
Uh-huh. Maui uh-huh. shows up in Maori cultures as well as uh, Hawaiian cultures. Obviously, the island of Maui is a pretty good indication that Maui exists in the Hawaiian legend. <laughs> Which I have some questions for you later. But for right oh, now, yes. <laughs> let's do. Th- let me get into the background of Moana. Moana came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, story by Ron Clements, John Musker, Chris Williams, Don Hall, Pamela Rybin, Aaron Kendall, and John Kendall. Screenplay by Jared Bush. Music by I'm I'm sorry in advance. I even looked this up how to pronounce it. Opetaya Fuai. I was about yeah, (laughs) Opetaya Fuai, Lynn Manuel Miranda and Mark Mencina. Mm -hmm. Uh, lyrics by Opeta Fuai and Lynn Manuel Miranda. And it's directed by John Clements and nope, wrong name, Ron Clements (laughs) and John Musker, who are the Little Mermaid directors, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So oh, very cool. They, they, you talked about how you part of the golden age. They're part of your life. Oh. They directed a lot of Disney movies in the golden age. So I have so. them to thank and to blame. Yes. <laughs> uh, the co-directors for this movie are Don Hall and Chris Williams. I don't know what exactly that means, but whatever. And according to IMDb, in ancient Polynesia. When a terrible curse incurred by the demigod Maui reaches Moana's island, she answers the ocean's call to seek out the demigod to set things right. Boom. Yeah. You nailed it. That's, <laughs> that is one of the better IMDb summaries I've come across. <laughs> Some of them like to tell the whole movie. Some oh, of them are just a really long run on sentence that I'm like, no. <laughs> grammar is important grammar is important (laughs) so in this movie i counted 12 songs which surprisingly for a disney film a lot of them are not sung by characters we see on the film right and i feel like that's the first time that this is happening or like no Mm. it's a little bit in frozen but like that's true yeah you have sort of the like ethereal backgroundy yeah and i i think that they really like took a page out of frozen's book like in the way that they open moana do you remember in frozen you have the um i don't know what language they're singing and it's something norse norwegian I think. yeah in in the beginning and it's this like it's setting the tone it's setting the the setting um (laughs) (laughs) i'm really good at words (laughs) (laughs) but like uh it's bringing you into that world and moana did the same thing with the call in someone at the beginning is that is that how you pronounce uh translate talua ta- my glasses Taluk- tagaloa tagaloa is that the is that the translation there's no no um there's two different languages that are spoken in moana so there's tokelauan from tokelau the island uh-huh. tokelau and um samoan and they kind of switch back and forth and blend because it, it's all part of the Austronesian linguistic family, which is what Hawaiian is also a part of, which is what Maori is also a part of. So it was kind of a nice way for them to represent so many Pacific cultures by not focusing on using a single, by, by focusing on using a single language. Now the irony is that Tokelauan is, is spoken by like this many people. <laughs> that that you're, you're, you're showing a very small <laughs> amount. A very small right? amount. I, th- I think it's like a few thousand a handful of thousand people speak Tokelauan. So it was, but it's like a very, it's one of the like closest to the root Austronesian language that 
informs Hawaiian, it informs Tagalog, oh. which is what's spoken in the Philippines. So we all, Indonesian, Bahasa, like we all speak a very, we, like I speak Hawaiian fluently. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm working on it, but you know, it's part well, of the culture. <laughs> that's because that song is one of Apataya's songs. And he writes in uh, native tongues. He doesn't write in English, I found out. Yes. Um, for yeah. his band Tevaka. Tevaka. That's right. I hope <laughs> You're I getting it. the hang of it. Yeah. I'm getting the hang of it. I'm you sorry. You are. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm, I'm trying not to be the white boy that I am, but I am the <laughs> white boy. That is okay. You are, as long as you're trying, I feel like that's, that's the important part of it. <laughs> well, so I try to find, you, you mentioned that they like blended together a lot of different cultural references and things mm-hmm. like that for this movie. And for me, it was a little frustrating because like, I was hoping that there was more mythology at play rather than like the story of Maui. What do you mean? So like Tefiti and Teka. Mm-hmm. they made that up yeah i thought that i was hoping that to Te, Fiti was like the god the the goddess of the earth or something oh you wanted or, like a like a an established legend. i wanted i wanted more legends yes uh <laughs> Person, does it, personally does it help you to know that the legends that are presented in the movie are sort of like bits and pieces pulled from a variety so like they really did make a pan pacific legend yeah yeah, I, I mean, I I did look up some things to just to show that I am smart. Uh, <laughs> yes, you are, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> well, so like I thought, for example, Tamatoa would be based off of something because I know with like Greek culture and Roman culture, there are beasts that mm-hmm. are part of like Hercules' stories or right. something like that. Mm-hmm. But Tamatoa is just based off of real crabs. <laughs> But there's there is still an element of like beasts of the sea in a lot of different um, Pacific legends. So, it uh, yeah they they did they created the story that is Moana, but mm-hmm. it is it is deeply rooted in like a variety of different cultures. Now there is no Moana like character to your knowledge and no and and actually that's one point of contention that some people did bring up some indigenous people did bring up even though um they did put together this like pacific islander council to like make sure that they weren't you know being basic white bitches um (laughs) like me Uh (laughs) is that in pacific culture a woman would never be a chieftain really yeah it's always been now women do hold like high office if you will but they would not traditionally be allowed to be uh the leader of of a community so there was a bit of a point of contention where they were like yeah you know thanks for all the representation but this would never happen so if a chieftain only had a daughter what would happen do you know i mean it it depends on the culture um it, it could go to a brother or an uncle or a nephew or a whatever like they mm. there there would still be prestige but then as time progressed you know and cultures kind of created their own set of rules around everything for instance the last monarch of hawaii uh queen liliokalani is a woman and she but she inherited it when her brother passed away so like it wasn't uh... it kind of wasn't supposed to go like that but it did but I mean, she was also a badass. So like I could go on for ages about <laughs> Lilo Kalani. But the concept of a woman being a monarch is not like off or wrong, but it's not traditional, traditional. 
And since Moana is supposed to take place like thousands and thousands and thousands of years yes. ago. It's supposed to be what, like 500 BC or something like something that? Something like, I think she's chronologically the oldest princess <laughs> yes. in, the, in the Disney canon. If you think, well, the root of Cind- Cinderella's story predates the actual Cin- what Cinderella is. Because you can go back. Not to, by that much though, right? You can go back to ancient Egypt and find a, Cind- a Cinderella-like story. No kidding. Mm-hmm. I did but, not. I mean, that tracks, but I didn't know that. You know, like a classist story of that, you know. Sure. But in terms of like what we see on screen. The yes, culture represented. Mo- yeah. The Moana is the oldest story in chronologically. Going back to mythology, the mm-hmm. Kakamora is, I found out, a real legend. It is based off of the Solomon Islands Okay. legend. Uh, however, they are described as quote-unquote midget humans mm. with long black hair and long fingernails and they are compared to like fairies or goblins sure and mostly in, like to be left alone in hawaiian legend they're the menehune sort of like people have compared them to like hawaiian leprechauns we yeah. don't like that but that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> well so and even looking up maui i found that each culture though calls maui the same name it's mm-hmm. He is presented as very different in every aspect. I think he's a demigod in pretty much all the legends, though. Is is that right? One is that what I found. I found in Ho- in Hawaiian mythology, though, that he's seen as an ancient chief. That's according to Wikipedia. So, grain of salt. Grain of salt. Grain, yeah. Big grain of salt. <laughs> I mean, you, you have family from there, so <laughs> I don't mean to tell you what it's like, but great of salt <laughs> in in my recollection he is also a demigod in in hawaiian legend but it has been a long time since i have gone down that particular rabbit hole so i am willing to believe that my information is slightly outdated and or biased <laughs> it's just interesting that the the brief scan that i did on the wikipedia page they do bring up everything in the movie they do bring up some things from different cultures like him rising the island and mm-hmm. Apparently he lassos the sun in almost all of the cultures in some way, shape, or form. So hmm. good for him. <laughs> He's working hard. <laughs> He's working very hard. Uh, did you know, though, that the first, that originally this movie was supposed to be about him? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember reading about that. And then as they, as the story progressed, like, they were sort of bringing in Moana as like a, a human foil, sort of. And then they realized that they wanted to actually explore that more than they wanted to explore and make Maui that legend. sweet sweet money yes honey we love it <laughs> give me that princess life and and allegedly now this is from imdb so again grain of salt mm-hmm. uh taka wrote the first draft of the script that doesn't surprise me at all and he's he's thanked in the credits of the movie so then i am uh imdb is right hooray <laughs> as far as we know <laughs> as far as we know yeah uh so watching this movie who would you say is the real villain of the story i've got my own answer and i'm i'm ready to step on my soapbox and talk about it but uh, i want to hear your answer first male insecurity is the real villain <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> See, I just generalized it and said Maui's the villain. Right. No, he's he's definitely not. He's sort of an anti-hero <laughs> for a while there. Because, you know, 
if you look online, like who's the villain of this, they'll say Taka. And I'm just like, but not really. I mean. Because Taka is Tefiti. Right. Okay. I may have read a little too deeply into this movie, but. (laughs) Please do go on. We love a deep dive. (laughs) I feel like Maui is the villain because he raped Tefiti, took the heart of her, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, and then he was trying to blame it on humans. Like I get, I did this for you, even though there's no like why he stole the rock, the heart of Tefiti. Well, he's, he's saying, or we're, we're led to understand that he is constantly doing all these things for humans so that he can like re ingratiate himself to them after being abandoned by his human parents. But like stealing the heart of Tefiti, what does that do for humans? Though? It allows more... them the power of creation. Oh, Really? Yeah. I didn't pick up on that at all. Oh, but they do say that in the movie. Damn it. I was Yeah, I, that's I okay. Was trying so hard. <laughs> I'm trying I'd, so hard to be a good podcaster, but <laughs> No, I, I, but I think you're on the right track there. I I think it's a little intense to call it rape, but I understand the I mean, argument that you're making there that something was stolen from her. Her mana, her her life force. Yeah, and and the fact that he has to put it back, maybe that I mean, I did read a little too deep, but I was just like, well, (laughs) Moana is there just to be like her therapist, it seems like at the end, you know, where she's just like, we're, we're going to put you on the right track and fix everything. Like that's how, of course, with it, if we're going with this rape theme, that's how I read it, but I'm, I guess I'm wrong. (laughs) Well, you're not wrong. I, I think you have a point there in saying that Moana sort of acts as the therapist and as somebody who, who does go to therapy, in a lot of ways, your therapist is there to remind you that nobody can take your autonomy from you. You are whole. You are never lacking in anything. And, it, and when you forget that, that's when you become somebody other than yourself. That's when Tefiti turns into Teka. Is that you've been consumed by your rage and you've forgotten who you are. Because that whole know who you are segment, the song where she, where this does not define you. Yeah. Where they're yeah. walking in slow motion. I cry every time. Every time. I and was I, a wreck in the theater. <laughs> and I apologize if I'm going to cry while talking about it right now, <laughs> but it's this just is a safe space. <laughs> it's just so goddamn beautiful. Mm-hmm. And like, I know this is Disney and not Pixar, but like they rip my emotions <laughs> for, and I don't understand what it, what it is that makes me so emotional at that point. Like, is it the, the water? Is it the slow motion? Is it the words? Is it all of the above? But like, I'm just sitting there just like, it's, yes, it's all <laughs> it's so beautiful. In, in your research for this, have you learned what Hongi is? I did not see that at all. Okay. So, you know, in that scene, when she finally does come face to face with Tikka and they put their nose and their forehead together. Yes. That's that's, okay. So that's what it's called. That's called a hongi. And the purpose of a hongi, it's, it's in modern times, you see it as like a greeting and it's a, a, a gesture of respect. What the basis of it is, is that you are literally sharing the same breath. You are, you are saying to the other, pr- uh, yeah, get ready, Cho- choke up, cry. Henry. <laughs> Just you wait, Henry Higgins. Um, when you are putting your face that close to somebody else, you are showing yourselves to, to share mana, to share life force, to share 
you, you are existing at the same time. You are recognizing the humanity of the other person. So when Moana does that to Teka, my whole insight just went, because she is recognizing that they are, that they are the same, that they are one, that they share this existence together. She sees the humanity in her and, and Tefiti sees the deosity. That's not a word. The, the godliness of, of Moana. Well, so you said there is, to your knowledge, there is no myth like this because the whole movie Moana is asking, why does the water pick me? Mm -hmm. And no, I don't, I can't think of any that I've heard of that particular story. And like, part of me was just like, make her a demigod or something. (laughs) Well, because in this movie, they present that Maui was born mortal and then turned demigod. Yeah, I didn't quite, that seemed odd to me. (laughs) So, but by that logic, Moana can be a demigod. True. Yeah. By (laughs) by the logic internal to the movie, sure. (laughs) I feel like in general, if something is, is labeled a demigod, it's because they were born of a god and a human. Right. See Hercules, for example. Right. <laughs> see, see for reference. Um, <laughs> there is a history of legends where a mortal is is turned into not a god per se, but like something holy, something consecrated. There's there's a Hawaiian legend that I actually really love about the breadfruit tree. The reason why we have a breadfruit tree, the ulu. Um, and it was a man who was trying to feed his family. They were in a famine. And he said, I would give anything to save my family. And the God said, anything you say. And they oh, turned him no. into a breadfruit tree. And it's, it's like the giving tree legend, but with way less, less toxicity. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there's, there is a precedent of being rewarded by the gods for sacrifice as a mortal. And like, so you become immortal by becoming part of nature. But I have never heard of anybody being born mortal and then being given demigod powers by the gods. But I'm, I am not a professor of ethnocultural studies. So <laughs> take me with a grain of salt as well. I mean, we talked about Hercules. This movie is very close to the Disney movie of Hercules, where obviously they're based off of cultural mythology and all that, but it's a, uh, it's a, um, where, what's the word I'm trying, I'm looking for bastardization <laughs> the bastardization but it's also like a quest movie mm-hmm. where they need to prove to themselves as well as to their people like right they're worthy of the title sure yeah and there was actually a fun little disney trivia in greece when when the movie hercules came out greek authorities were so offended that the the legend of hercules had been so Watered bastardized down. yeah and and completely changed around like at no point does hercules like lose his status as a demigod in the original legend that's made up entirely for the disney movie so they retitled the movie in greece do you know what they retitled it no what did they retitle it beyond the legend of hercules (laughs) well i was reading on imdb that they actually retitled moana (laughs) yes in some European countries because there is a famous actress whose name is Moana. Yes, a famous adult actress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, so, the first time I saw something titled Viana, which uh, is what she's called in Europe, I was so livid because I, I take so much umbrage of, of when 
character names are changed when they're changed from language to language. And I'm like, there's no reason for that. You should learn how to pronounce it in the original language. And then I read about why and I was like, oh, oh, okay. okay. That's, that's valid. That, that, that makes sense. <laughs> but it also, because it was Vayana that they changed it to, I, it looked to me like a bastardization of the word Hawaiiana, which would be Hawaiian in Spanish and Italian and Oh, so I, I thought that's why they did that, that they were like, we can't call her Moana because no one will know what that means. So we'll just make it kind of sound like we're saying Hawaiian. That's how I read into it, because I get easily offended about Hawaiian culture. <laughs> as I mean, as you should, because old white men like to uh, prey off of other people's cultures sometimes. So. <laughs> have, you, have you done any reading about Captain James Cook? Because if you really want to go down a rabbit hole about that. Go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. I probably will. No, maybe not. I don't know. I don't he know if I want to. <laughs> I don't he know met if his I demise wanna... in Hawaii at the hands of Hawaiians on Valentine's Day, which is the only reason I celebrate Valentine's Day. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> Huzzah! <laughs> Killing genocidal murderers day. Because <laughs> nothing says romantic love quite like... <laughs> Oh, we have gotten off the track. How are you? What's going on? How's this movie? <laughs> well, so to kind of bring it back, <laughs> I personally love this movie because there is no man in her life. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't, she needs help with Maui because that's part of the quest, but she's not, this is, she is There's one no of romantic. the few, the very small group of Disney princesses that don't need a man for her story. Right. I mean, yeah, that was, like, that was a nice departure. <laughs> well, so it, it yeah. We're, uh, like frozen did it first. Cause brave is technically Pixar, I believe. Is it? I think it's technically Pixar, oh. but like, because right. Disney owns everything. Um, she is, <laughs> a, she's considered a Disney princess. Sure. But but there's still that precedent of like, they're trying to marry her off. Like there is still like that, that storyline is still part of it, even though it's not her quest to like get a man. Right. Yeah. And she's trying to prove I don't need a man. Right. Like Frozen, you still have Anna who's boy crazy Mm -hmm. and needs a man, quote unquote. (laughs) Um, But this is the only one where she's alone and she's dealing with her hypochondriac father, who <laughs> hypochondriac, not hypochondriac. What's the word I want to use? You mean uh, uh, Elsa's agor- dad? Uh, no, no, no. I meant Moana. Moana's dealing with her agoraphobic dad. That's the word I was looking for. Sure. Come, come on. He doesn't want her to leave the island. That's like, stay in the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a much larger... Uh... Much larger house. <laughs> Much like <la>, yes. <laughs> but like, I feel like this is a better representation of girls you don't need a man in your life than Frozen, personally. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. And I think also Frozen still has that element of um, you are royalty and you need to rule. And like, I mean, technically Moana does as well. And the the whole point of part of the point that her dad is trying to make is like, you need to, you need to rule these people. You are going to be the chieftain someday because he's still around. I don't know. It's, it's not quite the call to adventure that Elsa has because she's queen by default because her parents have been lost. 
Yeah, and Moana also is one of the few Disney characters that has both of her parents. I know. <laughs> I actually so. just found out on this last rewatch, um, her mom, Sina, is voiced by Nicole Scherzinger. Nicole Scherzinger. Yeah, and and she was Hawaiian. She did another um, one of the other translations of it too. Nicole Scherzinger did. I believe I read that. Really? Which. I didn't know she spoke another language. She reprised her role in the Hawaiian language version of the film. Right? Right? That's awesome. I didn't know that. I've heard so many rumors going around about the Hawaiian language version of Moana that like I've stopped holding on to hope that because I know Ali'i did did stay on as Moana for the voice of that. But like I've heard so little like info leaking out about it that i'm like is this really gonna happen is it really gonna be released is this just a fever dream because i really want it to happen could you i mean i watched it on disney plus i know i feel like you can change languages on there is it available in hawaiian now i didn't look i I know it's available in like tahitian and um i'll look now so vamp (laughs) oh my god if it's available in hawaii in hawaii in hawaiian (laughs) I might lose my shit. <laughs> okay, let's see. Search Moana. So I, I didn't think it had been officially released yet. Like it was still in in process. Um, how can I? How do I? <laughs> how do I? Look for the Hawaiian version of Moana. <laughs> nope. Unfortunately, it is on Disney Plus only available in English and Spanish. But you know Spanish, so <laughs> I do. I, I I have watched it in Spanish. Yeah, I've I've watched a lot of Disney movies in Spanish. That's actually a great way to learn another language. Yes, yeah. listen to it in the other language, but with the English subtitles. I know of people who do that for English when mm-hmm. they watch. Yeah. But uh, there is no Hawaiian version, you're saying? Or is it still... As, as of yet. I, again, this is... I, I keep hearing bits and pieces about, oh, they're, you know, they're in talks to do this and they're in talks to do that. If any movie were to be translated fully into Hawaiian, it would be Moana. And it would mean the world to see it done that way. One of the things that I will absolutely give Disney, despite its history of tomfoolery in a lot of other arenas, they put a lot of effort into their translations. One of the most like fulfilling moments I ever had is I watched Coco in Spanish. (gasps) And when I tell you I was sobbing through half the movie, I, cause I had already watched it in English and have you ever heard of the app theater ears? I don't know if it's still a valid app. No, it's a really, really cool idea. Basically you can set whatever the language is that you want to listen in and you go into the movie theater and it syncs up the audio in your ear to what you're watching. So you are listening in real time to the dubbed version of whatever language it is that you want to listen to while the movie is playing. So anyway, that's, I, that's how I watched Coco in Spanish. This was before they released it um, in theaters in Spanish. And the, the way that they went about translating both the spoken word and the lyrics of the songs, they, they put in so much effort, the cultural references... The, the turns of phrase, they kept the rhyming scheme and, and the message of, of each of the songs so, so well. Because a lot of times when you, when you hear or see translations, it's like a word for word, literal, the idioms are lost. Right. So Disney, to their credit, puts a lot of effort. And which makes sense because they want to be, you know, um, viable in a global market. So it, 
it behooves them to actually care about this, but it's really nice to see when people do care about it. And and what's great about this type of animation, the 3D animation, is that they can animate the mouth to say those words in, in the different language. So I don't think I've ever watched a reanimated. I remember watch. Okay, so again, it's a Pixar movie. I remember watching Buscando a Nemo in high school (laughs) which is finding nemo for those of you who don't know the translation (laughs) and you're watching it and the lips of the fish are speaking spanish wow i'm gonna have to watch that take a look i could be wrong i could be remembering it wrong it's been uh almost 20 years since (laughs) i probably watched it but whatever however old that movie is that's when i watched it but <laughs> oh that's cool I, I didn't realize that that was a thing I'll have to take a I'll have to give a look to that yeah I mean th- that makes a lot of sense and that's but that's what I'm saying like that kind of effort and that kind of attention to detail is so important and like I just I was sitting in the theater I I am not Latina by heritage at all but I kept sitting in the theater thinking like how important it would be and how meaningful it would be to be a kid of Mexican descent or Colombian descent or, or Venezuelan descent watching this movie in Spanish and like seeing these cultural references that like they grew up with. They probably celebrated Dia de los Muertos in their home and like seeing it on like just make your heart squeal because yep. that's how I felt with Moana. Well, yeah, I was about to say this is, <laughs> this is you. Yeah. Speaking of like little Easter eggy things or mm. things like to throw in there, have, did you notice a lot of the Easter eggs that they threw in? this movie probably not i know uh wreck it ralph shows up in one of the top of claws uh i believe i read he shows up at the end of the uh, during the credits mm-hmm. but you see the magic carpet being beaten on the island oh or really it, rese- it resembles it it's not necessarily it but it's close to it oh how the, funny the genie's lamp is seen on tamatoa apparently flounder is on maui during his uh, as one of his tattoos at one point really from the little mermaid yeah oh i never noticed that and then maui turns into sven from frozen the reindeer oh yeah 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 that that, that one i remember <laughs> that one's noticeable the other stuff you just like have to dig deep there's also a hidden mickey in tamatoa's lair really where i don't know i didn't Ooh. i've been i just read about it but Tomatoa. I want to talk about him for a second or mm-hmm. it. I don't know what his pronouns are. Um, <laughs> that is, I wrote, I just wrote down in my notes for shiny, the best song ever. <laughs> it's a bop. It's a, it's a goddamn bop. <laughs> and it's, it's one of the songs where it's not telling you what you're seeing, which is great in this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought, you know, with this rewatch, I think I've seen this movie maybe about 10 times, conservatively. Mm-hmm. Shiny's rewatching it this time, I'm, a lot of what they sing is what you're seeing. So, like. It's very expository. Yes, except mm-hmm. for Shiny. I mean, yes, he's Shiny, but he's singing about, you know, he's going to eat Moana at some point and then when maui like shows up he's just like oh well i'm gonna kill you too (laughs) two for one special (laughs) i remember seeing a tweet from lin-manuel which clearly uh coincides with when he was writing this and he said something along the lines of 
I just finished the villain song. If it sounds anything like I, like I think it sounds like in my head, this is going to be such a cool song. And nobody had any idea what he was talking about. Like we knew it was from Moana, but who's the villain? What's it about? Who knows what's going on? And it ended up being shiny. And I was like, yeah, you should definitely be proud of that one. That was the, the fact that he rhymed demigod with decapod, just chef's kiss. <laughs> just chef's um, kiss. Although Tamato only has eight legs. <laughs> He's he an octopod. But he shouldn't. He should Because Maui says that he ripped a leg off. Well, yeah, so he should have nine, but he has eight. Or se- or seven? Well, if he's a decapod, he'd have 10 legs. Oh. But if Maui ripped off one, he'd have nine. Maybe it's he only else. has eight. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he ran into Maui 2.0 and lost another leg. <laughs> I ate my grandma. She, but I, she was humongous. <laughs> I, I did read, though, that uh, you want to know why it's such a bop? Because I would love to know why it's such a bop. Lynn Mill Miranda based Shiny off of Bowie's songs. That makes a lot of sense. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank I see you, that. Thank IMDb for that one. Thanks, IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah, that's, that song really comes out. It, it definitely takes a break from what you're hearing for the rest of the movie. Like stylistically, it definitely stands out as something unique. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. You're in the realm of monsters. You're in a completely different world. Things are going to be different. Everything is upside down. And it also feels like, I don't know if, if Opatia had really anything to do with Shiny because there's not as much. He did it. Okay. Yeah. Because I also think that this came at a time when it was like a strike when the iron is hot thing for him. Like he had just, I think he had just helped compose new music for Star Wars. Like he did the new Cantina song or something. Um, in the Heights was out. In the Heights was out. But, but Hamilton was not yet. On a Broadway. Th- a thing. Yeah. So I think it, it was off Broadway at the time. Oh, was it? 2016? I think it was. Okay. Well, anyway, Wait, it, it hadn't like gotten, he, no. he didn't have the Hamilton fame yet. I, I, I want to say it was still in like workshops. 20, 2014. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Because so anyway. later when it was getting closer to the release of Moana, that's when Hamilton was playing. And sure. I did read that he would have to, do Skype calls while in costume sometimes backstage. Right. So I feel like when he was writing Moana, when he was asked to come on board, it was like an opportunity that was so too good to say no to. But I don't know if he had, like if it came at a good time for him, I feel like he was kind of inundated with a lot of stuff. But also they brought him on, you know, he's a musical theater composer and this is a musical theater show. And so they had Opitaya who was giving credence to like the indigenous aspect of the music that they wanted. And I think in their minds, they were like blending the musical theater with the indigenous, which like, yes, we are here for that. We love it. Dream of dreams. Well, I don't know how much of the music he wrote, but I feel like he served better as a lyricist. I I think he's a fantastic lyricist when given enough time. There's, there's definitely a few parts of some of the songs where I'm like, Oh, you kind of dialed that one in. Because with Hamilton, I mean, it took him seven years to write the show and with good reason, you know? like There's just so much. There's so much and it's, the music fits the lyric and the lyric fits the music and, and there's all these different elements going on. So like, it takes it takes time to write something, that kind of a magnum opus thing. And, right, and Moana, Moana was... I felt like it was not rushed because I know they did take time for it and there was a lot of different drafts of things. Um, that's actually why the cast of Hamilton is thanked in the credits for Moana. 
is a lot of the cast members sang the scratch tracks. Right. Or, or in it. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are, well, a lot of them did not get paid for that, which there was a lot of contention surrounding <gasps> that. Ooh, of it all. <laughs> um, but yeah, so as, as much as I love Lynn and as much as I love Moana, I felt like that was like a shoehorned collaboration effort that I think would have been better served with somebody else in Lynn's spot or, or to only have Lynn on for like lyrics purposes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And well, like I said, I don't know how much he actually like, cause a lot of the music is Opataya's. But a lot of it is Mark too. But Mark also came from a, a background of like having done a lot of Disney films and sort of knowing like, I, I feel like he was there to kind of, like, give shape to a lot of stuff and, like, help orchestrate. I, I think I read that, like, a few of the songs are actually from albums of Opatayas. That's what I mean. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, like they are his songs. And then I think for Lin-Manuel's part, he may have done the English translations or mm. did the lyrics for the English translation because... Even if you go on Opataya's website, which I did, <laughs> the English translations that he has on there are a little different than what's in Moana. Sure. So it's one of, it's one of those things too where like I don't know how true this is, but because he writes in native tongues, words probably mean have multiple meanings. Yes. And obviously to fit the lyric in English as opposed to whatever language it's originally written in you probably need to like fudge it a little yeah there's there's definitely some creative license going on but uh so like that opening the the lyrics themselves are pretty simple it's in that one's in someone that's uh so you can see our world my world so you understand like it's not like poetry in the way that we think of poetry but it's the sound of the music, the sound of the lyric, in addition to the meaning of it, that creates the beauty of it. But if you're translating it into English, we have an expectation of more wordplay, more um, as opposed to like the sentiment of a word. We're we're a lot more interested in like the cleverness of a lyric. So in mm-hmm. order for it to make sense in English, I think sometimes we like fudge the original translation of a word in order to make it more punchy. Mm, yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, because if you even look, um, I think he did, he also did An Innocent Warrior. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. on his website, which that one, I feel like there's an, no, is there? (laughs) Is there a what? I can't, now I can't remember if there's English lyrics to it. Oh, I don't know. That's the one where the ocean is choosing baby Moana, right? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that was one of the biggest like mind blown moments for me because in, in all of the previews, I don't think you really ever see Baby Moana. So seeing it in the theater was like the first time I saw that. I looked exactly like her when I was a child. <gasps> like, I will, I will send you a photo later. I was a dead ringer for Baby Moana down to the part where I was constantly putting flowers in my ear, which I still do to this day. Stop <laughs> it. I was like, oh my. And, and again, had I been five years old and watching this, I would have been like, me yeah that's me up there that's i'm in a movie (laughs) who's to say that she's not you now or whatever 
I mean, she, how old is she supposed to be? She's supposed to be what, like 17, 16? She's 14 in the breakdown. Really? I auditioned for her. <laughs> what? Yep, I submitted a video a hundred years ago. She's supposed to be 14 or 15. <sighs> wow. Yeah, and, and Auli'i was, I think, 15 when she got the role. Yeah, when the movie, I read that when the movie came out on like the night before premiere or whatever Mm -hmm. uh she it was on her 16th birthday so imagine imagine (laughs) did you ever see her performance at the um at the oscars when she sang how far i'll go is that when she messed up a little bit too no i don't i don't think she messed up but one of the like flag dancers bumped into her and she kept going she was not thrown off course oh no i'm thinking of her as the little mermaid when she did it live Mm-hmm. Did she, she mess up during that? She, I think she flubbed a couple of lyrics, if I remember oh. correctly. Meh. <laughs> Live, quote unquote, because that was some bullshit that they did with that one. <laughs> Listen, John Stamos. <laughs> <laughs> did you appreciate that Alan Tudyk is the only white person in the cast? <laughs> Playing hey hey. <laughs> Playing hey. And he has a line as a human at the beginning when Moana is like, montaging around the island and dealing with people's griefs and whatnot he plays a vendor who offers to cook up hey hey oh the old guy the old guy yeah i didn't know that was alan tudyk <laughs> that's his that's his one english line that he has or whatever Good for him is is jermaine clement part modi i don't know specifically the they According to IMDb, they said the rest <laughs> of the cast are Polynesian or of New Zealand descent. Okay, well, he is of New Zealand descent. <laughs> so. I'll give him that. How cool. Yeah. Alan Tudyk is a champ. <laughs> <laughs> Juilliard trained, Alan Tudyk. <laughs> <laughs> would you like to know a little, a little fun fact? I would love, I love fun facts. Great. So the pig named pua uh-huh. in hawaiian pua means flower and in hawaiian pua means pig so pua is one letter off of the word for pig oh, that's really <laughs> interesting did you wish though that pua was the, her animal of choice rather than hey hey <sighs> I, <sighs> I feel conflicted <laughs> about hey hey i i get the like comic relief part of it but i felt like because it's the rock playing maui that is your comic relief <laughs> I didn't I didn't really but we, I didn't need hey hey. We talked about it. Maui is the villain of the movie. So you need right. And you can else. be a I mean Hades is the king of the comic villain, you oh, know. But that is true. So like I'm Such I'm not a, angry about smushing the two ideas together. Such a camp queen Hades. Oh, is. <laughs> I mean he is flaming. <gasps> but I'm sh- I cannot take credit for that joke, but I do love it. <laughs> <laughs> Pua doesn't really have like we're not we're not privy to a lot of Pua's like personality traits, whereas Hey Hey is just dim. <laughs> but eh, but is I dim a like, personality trait? <laughs> I feel like Pua is marketable because he's cute. He is adorable, and I'm I I know that they sell him mm-hmm. as as a toy and stuff, but like give me a little give me a little more Pua time. I need I need more I need more Pua in my life. I wonder if maybe he was more of a part of the story before at some and point got trimmed down i don't know 
There, who's to say? <laughs> who's to say? Uh, Barry, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into sharp and flat? Sharp and flat. Um, hold on. I actually wrote some stuff down. You took notes. Yeah, I took notes. Uh, talked about Hongi. I also read something about the spiral means something. Koru. Yeah, that was actually something I wrote down. Um, it's a ubiquitous symbol, especially in New Zealand, throughout a lot of different um, Polynesian cultures. It's a representation of the silver fern, which you'll see a lot with like um, like the All Blacks rugby team in New Zealand uses it as a symbol. And it's meant to represent eternity because the silver fern, when it's when it blooms, it comes from like a curled up pattern and extends out. And then when it dies, it curls back up in again. So the koru is like both of those oh um, shapes kind of curling in on each other so it's a it's a symbol of life it's a symbol of the circle it's literally the circle of life take that lion king mm-hmm. it's the koru of life <laughs> <laughs> and it's on a boat <laughs> you know i did want to also bring up have you i brought up a lot of pixar stuff today but have mm-hmm. you seen the short lava yes i have oh my god i i, I don't uh it, I, I just wanted to bring it up because I needed to shout it out. It's eight minutes of beautifulness and you're going to cry every second of that. Is it before Inside Out? Is that when it yes. premiered? Okay. I so, I you know, <laughs> I remember going to see it in theaters, Inside Out. And then with when Lava came on, I am bawling my eyes out. And then <laughs> Inside Out happens. And then that towards the end with goddamn bing bong damn it bing bong damn it bing bong <laughs> I, I, I have not wa- re-watched inside out because of that it like hit too hard it, yep i am 36 years old <laughs> and i couldn't re-watch a pixar movie <laughs> oh my god <laughs> pixar goes for the jugular that's yeah. why yeah yeah i was a wreck after toy story 3 i think a lot of people were and like i was like angry about how many feelings I felt like it it made me upset that I was like physically and emotionally drained coming out of that movie (laughs) also when up came out it was right after my grandfather passed and he looked exactly like the uh what's his face in in up the old man in up I I watched so I was like oh just go ahead and break me then that's fine that's fine (laughs) I I watched up when it was out on like dvd Mm. and I watched it like the year after my grandmother passed away cool and i was just like (laughs) i had to i had to leave the room and my friends paused the movie and they're like is he okay (laughs) i will be (laughs) give me time i've i've never been so shook by 20 minutes of nobody talking (laughs) right see pixar goes for the jugular moana went for the heart the heart of tefiti You see what you did there. Also, shout out to Tiffy because if I spent centuries as like an angry lava monster and then finally had my personhood restored to me, the first thing I would do would be to take a nap. One hundred percent is exactly after, what I would do. After gifting the man who raped you, quote unquote, rape, we, we're still we're still on abused. Uh, let's say let's say he abused her. He be, after gifting her abuser a new hook. And her savior, a new boat, she then went, took a nap. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's a lot of emotional labor you've been doing for like 
<laughs> centuries on end. Yeah. I'd, I'd take a nap too. I'd cover myself in flowers and then I'd go take a nap. <laughs> God. Well, so I did read though that Tefiti is like they based her off of Tahiti. Like the look, I think the look of her. Oh, oh, the shape of the islands. Yeah. Sure. That tracks. Yeah. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. So, whatever. All right. <laughs> let's get into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Boom. Sure. Beep, bop, boop, boop. Sharp. Flat. So, in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether we talked about them or not. Uh, and if we like them, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it, it's flat. I had trouble with flats, but I found one. Okay. <laughs> but let me, I want you to go first. Let's do, let's start with more positivity. We were on a positive train. What are your sharps that you have in this movie? Are, are we talking like storyline? Are we talking like anything? The movie uh, as a whole. So I'll give you, I'll go first actually. Okay. So you yes, can please. have time to think about it. One of my sharps is the animation of the water. It looked super real and mm-hmm. I loved it. Even when it was doing its animated things like spitting Moana back out or punching Maui. <laughs> it looked gorgeous. And then they, they created a program specifically for the water. They developed right. that for that movie. I, I remember reading that and mm-hmm. worth every penny, I guess. Yes. Agreed. Because, and like I mentioned with know who you are and at the beginning when it was creating walls, like you, you oh yeah yeah like the parting of the seas kind of right elements it, uh so beautiful <laughs> uh another sharp is how moana isn't pressured into finding a lover big fan of that big fan of that we, we went deep dive into that mm-hmm. this is gonna sound really morbid the visualization of tala's death the grandmother mm. it's beautifully done because obviously disney doesn't really show death as much mm-hmm they do and they don't, but like okay. it's usually just like a hand falling or something. Or a shadow. This, or shadow. Mm-hmm. This was something. Uh, uh. It was an exhalation. Yes. Um, I also liked the post credit scene. Did you know there's a post credit Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What he says, uh, if I was, if my name was Sebastian with a Jamaican accent, you'd help me. Or yeah. Like with Tamatoa. <laughs> yeah. And then I, good. and then I, the sharpest of all sharps of the of this movie is shiny and know who you are. Mm. I mean, those segments are just bops, boppity bop bop bops, and crying. When when they split to the like black light sequence in shiny, done. I love it. I, I don't Gorgeous. care. I mean, I loved it to begin with, and then that was just like, just shut up and take all my money. Dude. <laughs> I know you're. I know you're going to, but just take everything. That, that sequence reminded me of. Um, I've got friends on the other side from Princess and the yes. Frog when he when he puts the skull mask on and like all the swir- oh that was oh. some of the most beautifully animated things oh, and it, it reminded yes. me a lot of that yeah yes uh, speaking of you, good villain songs <laughs> uh, do you I know do you have anything that you want to sure shout out uh, you know be like I loved you <laughs> well of course I do I do love the indigenous representation and and the amount of care and love and purpose that they put behind it as faithfully as possible 
represent Pacific Islanders on screen. And considering that we're recording this in May and it is Asian and Pacific Island Heritage Month. Hooray, I hooray. totally meant to do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. What a what a totally not coincidence coincidence that was. And this is coming out few in a few months. So <laughs> sh- hey, listen, I'm... if you believe in yourself enough, every month is Asian and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Every month should be celebrating everybody. I'm into it. I'm here for it. Uh, so I loved that. Uh, and in sort of like a subcategory of that, the... Uh, the design of the costumes for all of the characters in that same vein was not specific to any one Polynesian culture. It was bits and pieces pulled from a lot of different ones. So her, her bandeau top was from one culture and her um, raffia skirt was from another culture and things like that. So it really, it was this beautiful blend and they really cared a lot about it and using red as a, as the Royal color, which is um, pretty typical in, in Polynesian cultures. I love that. Bando is orange. Is it, well, would rust? Rust. I mean, there's no like, it's hard to get like true red unless you're using like bird feathers, which you do see in uh, like capes and headdresses and stuff like that. Loved that. I loved when Maui abandons her and Tala comes back as like a spectral version of herself. <gasps> That's that scene. First of all, that scene, heartbreaking Gorgeous. in yes. and of itself. But when you pull back and you see her under the stars and it's just, and the stars are reflected on the, the serene surface of the ocean. I had like a visceral reaction to that image because it is, it's solitude, but it's solitude in the midst of knowing that you are a part of the universe have you ever been out on the sea at night and like looked up, especially living in New York City? Like it's so hard to see the stars. I Cassiopeia can... in Washington Heights. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. I can't say that I have, but okay. I, I think I've laid outside and looked at the stars. There you go. What you're talking about. Very similar. Not, and... not on the ocean. I, I would do that one day. I promise. <laughs> That's your homework. Well, so... I used I used to work on cruise ships for a long time, and that was one of my favorite things to do. Was to go out and remind yourself of, of how small you are in the universe, but also how big you are in relation to everything else. And then when Tala comes up as spectral Tala and reminds her who she is and all of her ancestors come out in ghost form and I'm choking up just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you a question about their costumes, her ancestors? Sure. Uh, what is their skirts made out of? The per- like the perios, it would have been tapa cloth probably, which is they look like leaves of sorts though. Yeah, it uh, so taro, it, you know the the plant taro, like a sweet potato kind of. Okay, that's pretty ubiquitous around a lot of different cultures. And that the root is used for food, the leaves are used for weaving and cloth. Sometimes it's the it's like bark bark cloth that's been pounded down. And made soft and supple, so mm. I, I don't know specifically what what it was made of, but it it was probably taro or palm or something similar to that. And that is historically correct as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they took the we talked about they took the time. They took the time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was watching it. I was just like, I wonder what that is. <laughs> Could be a variety of things, but yeah, it's it's all natural fibers and stuff but but cloth making i i'm sure you noticed with um 
all the different designs that were on the the cloth hangings around the the dwellings and all the rugs that they were beating the the design elements they tell a story everything tells a story about who you are where you come from different legends things like that so all the different symbols mean something like every, everything was very the design elements were were meaningful nothing was really thrown away that i could see i i didn't look at it too too closely but what i could see was same could be said about the tattoos meaningful. right yes very much so Last summer, I taught Moana Jr. as like a story director for Hits Theater out in Houston. Shout out to, to Hits Theater. And that was something we, we talked about was, was all these design elements. But it's actually written in the notes, like the, the director's guide for Moana Jr. That whoever plays Maui, do not give that actor tattoos. Do not have them wear a shirt that has Maui's tattoos on it. Like tattoos are kapu. They're sacred. They're they're meant to be very meaningful. And that was because his tattoos were used to like help tell the story. There was a little bit of contention about that. Cause it's not really meant to like be a character. It's supposed to like be a design element, but like not be animated. So there was a little bit of about that. Right, right, right. So when they, when they put it on as an actual production, they're like, don't no tattoos. No. Yeah. Don't, don't do the thing. It's, it's make meant a, to be very personal. Make a muscly, but no tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I get that, but yeah, tattoos are, are a big, uh, they're a big deal. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Eh. <laughs> uh, do you have any flats for this movie? I mean, this movie's a banger of a one. <laughs> I, like I said, I had to dig really deep to find one, but I found one. Fair enough. The song that uh, the chief sings, the, you know, who, who you are and where you are. It felt very expository about like, this is what we use coconuts for. And this is how we weave baskets. And this is what, and like, I get the purpose of, of telling the story of how the village functions. But again, that's, that's sort of coming back to what I said about, it felt like Lin-Manuel was sort of shoehorned into the music where it was like, okay, well, here's, here's things that Polynesians do. Write a song about that. And he's like, okay, um, consider the coconut consider its leaves the island gives us what we need you know like it felt it felt very like oh okay <laughs> it felt like he he understood the what but not the why yeah it's hard to find a flat otherwise the oh that- the the tweet joke that was so that was dumb <laughs> <laughs> oh come on that was cute it was a dumb joke <laughs> i wrote down how maui is seen as a hero after everything he's done because yeah. again, I think he is the villain. I don't think he's the antihero. I think he's the goddamn villain of the movie. Because uh, you know, none of this would happen if he didn't steal the heart of Tafiti. And none of this would have happened if he hadn't been on this mission to prove himself as something useful after that- being rejected. But that's on him. That's not on humanity. That's his reaction to humanity. And that's made up for the movie, right? Like that's yeah. not. Yeah. yeah, that's that's not part of the legend of Maui that I am aware of. It might be in a in a Pacific culture that I have not yet understood. I'm willing to believe. <laughs> but yeah, think, that's fair. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this question, but would you add any of these songs to your life's playlist? <gasps> yes. <laughs> uh, I actually created a show called island girl last year and 
it's all about my Hawaiian heritage and um, my family and my connection to the culture and all this stuff. And the very first song of the show is a trilingual version of How Far I'll Go. I sing it in English, Spanish, and Hawaiian. And it's available as a free download on my website, barrykaloha.com. Self-plug. Uh, well we're getting we're getting there we're getting there a few more a few more a few more bits and ends um i wrote down like i i listen to the album i i do listen to the album as is mm-hmm. um as much as i love shiny as a visual it also doesn't need the visual because it's such a bop on its own mm-hmm. um, agreed and the the rest of the song i mean i do think i skip where what is that one that you talked about where you are mm-hmm. i think i skipped that one but like Meh, it's just the one that I skip out of all of them. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Last question, I promise. Uh, <laughs> if there was a stage version of the show, which character? All of you them. Pick- <laughs> <laughs> the one woman show titled you- Barry Kaloha Presents Moana. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if you could pick any character, anyone, no matter what. That's such a hard question to answer. I mean, it would be so much fun to play Tamatoa. Like <laughs> that would be, that would be the dream. Tala. Ooh. I mean, I'm like 40 years too young for that, but I'm an old woman at heart. <laughs> Makeup. That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. But like she, <sighs> there's, there's a term in Hawaiian called kuleana, which means to like, to be a steward of the land and to be a steward of the culture and, and protect and preserve the aina, the land, um, your history, like to, to give the gift of everything you are to future generations and, and to keep it in a good condition so that future generations can, can enjoy it. Tala is the embodiment of Kuliana and like, because she, despite pushback from her own son saying, no, we're not voyagers. Boats are bad. Blah, blah, blah. She's like, but are they though? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you should go into this cave where all the boats are, but like, here's the entrance to the cave. And um, maybe play the drum or whatever. I mean, just like if you're feeling it and like, and, and the fact that she is the one that teaches Moana hula. Well, they're not calling it hula in the movie because hula is one version of telling stories through dance, but the fact that she is the one that teaches Moana that, that she is the one who's passing on that stewardship to her, that is so important. And that like, woo, that hit, that hit in a very deep and special place. <laughs> so okay, yeah, right. I, I, would be, I would be happy to do that. Plus stingrays are cool, so. Stingrays are cool. I'm into it. <laughs> uh, Barry, we've come to the end of the episode finally. Now Thanks for letting can... me talk about this for, as long as I wanted, this has been great. Oh, we went over time, but I think we're going to, by the power of editing, I'm going to make it work. Ah. Uh, <laughs> is there anything you want to now plug? <laughs> sure. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I am at Barry Kealoha. That is B-A-R-R-I-E-K-E-A-L-O-H-A. Island Girl is available on YouTube for free on my channel. If you would like to search for that. Uh, it's a lot of fun and it should be coming to regional theaters and cruise ships in the relatively near future. I'm developing it to be a live show. I, I developed it um, at the request of the NAACP of New Jersey because they were doing a cultural series last year. Really? And I made it for that. Uh, so I'm developing it and adapting it for live performance. So it should be coming soon. 
Um, I'm also, I, I created a show called Motown Under the Stars. It's going to be at Sharon Playhouse this July, if you feel compelled to come up to Connecticut. Stop. Yeah. I'm not at, just into Hawaiian culture. I'm into Motown, too. Look at you. <laughs> I'm a woman and, of many talents. <laughs> and then the One Minute One Woman show, where's, where can we find that? Those are all available on YouTube as well on my channel. Um, and also that it is on Instagram, at One Minute One Woman show. I will be having more of those coming out. I, I kind of did a spate of them last summer just for fun. I actually did one of Moana as well. I'm Good. going to pop, put it on my um instagram probably i have to go find wade through all of your <laughs> posts to find it oh my many things well if you go to just the handle for the one minute one woman show you will you will definitely find it there uh yeah that's 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 all my things and my website barrykaloha.com uh has links for my if if you would like me to dress up as moana and say hello to your friend your daughter your niece your nephew your grandkid let me know, hit me up. All my videos are there. I do it in English and in Spanish. I have done, uh, I actually just recently did one for a woman down in Colombia who wanted Moana to wish her a happy birthday. And I did the whole thing in Spanish. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and could you do it in Hawaiian? I could not do the message in Hawaiian, but I could sing How Far I'll Go in Hawaiian. I mean, got it. Mean, by the time this comes out, I hope you can at least say happy birthday in Hawaiian. Ha'oli la hano. Yes, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and if and if you want uh, Barry to say happy birthday to you in Hawaiian, <laughs> you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. I'm also, hey. on, I'm also <laughs> on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttersongpod. Uh, tell us what you love about Moana, because obviously you don't hate it, because nobody hates this movie. <laughs> and if let, you us want, <laughs> let us know. And if you want to be part of the next episode, we are going to be talking about the apple a 1980s musical movie that I don't know anything about it yet. So hopefully by then I will. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting. All right, <laughs> we're here for it. <laughs> Barry, I'm usually awful at like sign offs. So is there like, with your knowledge of the Hawaiian language, is there like a beautiful way to say like good besides aloha, like <laughs> goodbye until next time or whatever. I, I will leave you with my favorite uh, idiom. How about that? Okay. Malama kehaki kehaki, which means take care of one another. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Uh, say, one, <laughs> say it one more time. Malama kehaki kehaki. Bye for now, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day. <laughs>